March 27th, 2023, this morning's class is dedicated in loving memory of Ruth Bat Gilsom, Ruth Gindi by Eli and Jeffrey Gindi. Amen. We're in Masechet Betzandaf Yod Bet Amud Bet, and we're going to begin again two lines from the bottom, just a few words before the end of the line. If you recall, the context of the Gemara is the issue with regards to Molilin Mililot Biom Tob, a circumstance situation as such that there's uh, bundles of grain of some sort that's brought in from the field, specifically mustard seeds is what we were talking about. And uh, the person interested in eating from those seeds is allowed to be molel. Now, the specific melacha with regards to the melila was melechet disha, it was crushing. And we understood that in context, the way that it would be done is kelaharyad, it's not a direct fashion, it's an indirect way of doing it. As a result, on Shabbat, it's only prohibited midrabanan on Yom Tov. It's permitted entirely. But the Gemara then, once it accepted that on Yom Tov a person could deal with a stalk of mustard seeds and uh, with their hand be able to uh, put it in between their hand and bring forth the seeds, oh, wait a second, that would mean then, says the Gemara, imken masinu it would emerge, perhaps, suggests the Gemara, that that's considered the final act with regards to the production of these seeds that you're interested in using and eating from. And if that's the case, it means that by eating from it on the holiday, uh, you're permitted and even obligated to take tirumah from it on the holiday as well. Wait a second, if that's the case, Utnan, we learned in our Mishnah, Lo our Mishnah seemed to simply accept the reality, the halakha, that on Yom Tov a person is not allowed to take tirumah. We had questions with regards to the halakha, the delivery of the tirumah. We had questions with regards to the delivery of the matanot kehuna, the hafrashat hala, but with regards to tirumah, the hafrashat, the taking it, everybody, betilil, bet shamai, anyone and everyone we addressed and discussed and thought about, everybody agreed that it's asur to take tirumah on Yom Tov. But that being the case, how do you explain it in such a situation? If we're permitting for a person to take the stalk and to, with their hand, kind of put it in between and bring forth the seeds, it can't be that you're not as well taking tirumah, you wouldn't be able to eat from it then. It's not prior to our understanding is, in such a situation, the gemar melacha, the final act of production. And as a result, we seem to have uh, run up against a, a stone wall, a, a, a barrier over here. The Mishnah is directly contradicting that uh, leniency that we have. How are you going to do so? You can't take tiruma until the gemar melacha. This is what Charlie suggested on Friday as well. The halachas, you can't take tiruma, whereas uh, we'll discuss its potential that ma'aseh rishon could be taken for, and tiruma needs to be taken after gemar melacha. The mustard seeds themselves. The mustard seeds themselves, as, a, as, a, as opposed to the stalks, correct. As says the gemara, lakasha, this doesn't ultimately speaking pose a, a question, a contradiction, because we can suggest uh, these two opinions of Rabbi and Rabbi Yosef that we'll uh, develop and understand in just a moment will really take us through the duration of this Amud, they stand at the uh, foundation, at the bedrock of anything and everything we've been discussing. Here's the Beraita. If a person brought in stalks and bundles of stalks and the mindset of the person when they brought in those grains and stalks 
was to make dough with them, which means to say mass production. They're interested in uh, husking them and bringing forth, uh, removing the, the chaff and taking the kernels, turning it into flour and then turn into dough. Now, if you envision such a process, it means that my final stage before sending it out, before envisioning this as finished with my field production, it's when I smoothed it over. That's what we call mirua hakeri. Uh, it's when I smoothed over in my storehouse, I collected all those uh, kernels and grains, and I now smoothed it over. That's a final stage of it. Why is that the final stage? Because after all, I have big visions for what I want to do. It's not just a few mustard seeds that I'm going to sprinkle on my table. I want to produce a ma- in mass, a dough. As a result, the halakha in such a circumstances, until you finish the production, so to speak, of bringing it from the field, bringing it into the storehouse, smoothing it over and preparing it now for sale, preparing it now for the next stages, in such a circumstance, you're allowed to even eat from the grain because we consider it not finished. It's not obligated in Tiruma yet. Go ahead. No, no, over here we're dealing, it's not Isur Shabbat over here. No, Patur means you don't need to take Tiruma from it. Right, you understand? We're not talking about, we're not talking about uh, liability, we're talking about obligation. You don't need to take it. The grains themselves, exactly, not the person, right? Well said. Uh, so that's the halakha. So far, so, well, none of this is going to have anything to do with Yom Tov. The only issue will be once I establish, if I establish, that the way I envision the final production being the Melilah, when I moved it in between, then it has bearings on Yom Tov. Then it means it was Hayabit Ruman. I took to Ruman Yom Tov. No, there's two interconnected laws. Once I envision this as the final act of produce, and it's permitted on Yom Tov, that's the issue that we're addressing, it means I found Tiruman Yom Tov. It's three stages over here. Stage number one is, well, what is the final stage of when I envision not making a mass production? I want to just take the stalk and take out the seeds and pop them into my mouth, take out the seeds and hand them to my wife and my, my cook and my chef in my home and use them in such a fashion. Is that the final production? Is it Hayabit Ruma? Or is it long before the final production? Final production is defined by you have a pile and you smoothed it over under all circumstances. Do you understand? The question over here is really, that's what at the, at the core of Rabbi Yosef and Rabbi, Rabbi Yosef and Rabbi Yudai, is that question. The question is, do we distinguish, do we separate between different types of um, mindsets with regards to um, the production of seeds and flour and things of that sort? Do I say there's small scale, and as a result, the obligation of Tiruman Maaseh is earlier? I'm a small a shopkeeper. I, I'm just a few things that I just need to put on the shelves. In such a situation, that was the end of my production. Or alternatively, is it always defined by a large scale? If you're doing small scale, no Tiruman, no Maaseh. Why not? You never finished the production. No, but I did finish the production for myself. That's not finishing the production. That's what's at the, that's what's at the core over here. That's number one. If I do envision the small shopkeeper, the Baal Habayit, the person who owns their home and they're just taking a few seeds in order to bring it to their home, as the end of the production, it means then, as we've discussed, then you hayav bitruma from then. If, that's, that's stage one, if that's the case, and the halakha is on Yom Tov, you're allowed to do that, as we suggested, you're allowed to be molel, well then it means I'm hayav bitruma and I'm taking turuma on Yom Tov, otherwise how am I putting it into my mouth? That's the issue. Now, if I'm going to suggest now, and that's what the Gemara will do, that I don't, don't distinguish, that the only time your hayav b'tiruma is when you mass produce it, you collect it in your storehouse and you smoothed it over, 
Shalom al Yisrael. There's no issue in our Gemara. You, as a small shopkeeper, you, as a, taking those mustard seeds into your home, you never hayab bitirumah. The only stage at which you'll be hayab bitirumah is if I brought it into the storehouse, had a large pile, and I smoothed it over. Says the Gemara, that's really what's at stake over here. That's the two opinions. Here's the two opinions. If instead of uh, procuring, bringing uh, in the grain uh, with the mindset of uh, producing dough, your mindset was just was just to uh, put them in between your fingers and bring forth the, the kernels so that you can use those, bring forth the seeds. So now there's a mahlokit, whether the Gemara is suggesting that must be the author of our Mishnah. If our Mishnah says you'll never find a case where you and can take on Yom Tob, it means that even though I'm permitting going like that to be molel b'melilot on Yom Tov, it's not going to be hayav b'tirumah. Now I've sufficiently solved uh, this issue. I have the Mishnah telling me no tirumah to be taken on Yom Tov. You'll never have such a situation. I have alternatively, I know I'm allowed to be molel b'melilot. How do you square the two? Molel b'melilot does not bring forth tirumah. Uh, why don't I have to take tirumah? Tirumah is when you produce it en masse. Rabbi Yosef Rabbi Rashi says, uh, is learning it from the Lashon of the Pasuk. The Pasuk calls it dig. Ganecha. Digun means a collection, means a pile. That's when you're hayav b'tirumah. You're doing it small scale, you're doing it to take a few seeds and bring them in, you went into your back, oh, that's not tirumah, that's Rabbi Yosef Rabbi Yudah's opinion. He, in turn, must be the author of our Mishnah, suggests the Gemara. Says the Gemara, but wait a second. It sounds like, it sounds like just the way the, the, the Praetah is written, Rabbi Yosef the point is, I, I hear what you're saying, I, and I'll tell you why my, my commentary, which is everyone's commentary, is, is in place. If you're really doing this in mass, and maybe you are, uh, you're a very silly uh, commercial salesman. And I was, what, you, you're gonna, we have a, a large production, and, and I say, okay, gentlemen, please come in, and instead of us doing a large mill and, and bringing forth this stuff, I want everyone to take your hands and start uh, sifting it like that. So, it just doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense a person's going to be doing it like that if you're doing it in mass. You're right. If you sketch the system, and we've talked about other ways of sketching the system, you could be, according to the Biosev Birabiuda, you say, I don't want to take to remote Masalot. Okay, you don't want to take to remote Masalot. Several ways. I remember Jeffrey was very excited about the other way when we learned Masichet Rosh If you don't bring it through the door of the home, as well, the rabbi said, you, you could do ha'arama. You come through the back, you come through the top, you patur from teruma. Another way, yeah, it's a little bit roundabout. You say, everyone, we're not going to collect it. Everyone's going to take a little bit of that, put it in small containers, and send it out of the shop, okay? That's, you're right. But ultimately speaking, that's the underlying logic over here. It's that the production is not a mass production. As a result, you're never going to have a pile. Says the Gemara, but wait a second. Even, and it gets a little bit more complicated here over the course of the Amud, but the first, the, uh, probably the most complicated moment. Says the Gemara, even according to Rabbi Yosef Rabbi Yudah, who's Rabbi Yosef Rabbi Yudah? He's the rabbi who distinguished for us between mass production and small production. Small production, no hayub terumah. Even he, even according to his opinion, you could find a case on Yom Tob where you would have to take terumah. Well, what are you talking about? What are you talking? You're not allowed to crush on Yom Tov in the fullest sense. You're not allowed to, in turn, have the piles of the stuff that's coming into your storehouse. You're not going to have miruach. You can't do that. 
As says the Gemara, you'll have the following situation. Your mindset initially was, all right, we have a lot of produce out in the field. Everybody, bring it in, and our, we are going to prepare this for dough. It's going to be flour and then turned into dough. As a result, as they're bringing it into the storehouse, no chiyub b'tirumah. Yom Tov comes to bed and says, you know something? All right, I changed, my, I changed my mindset over here. My mindset now is that I'm going to take it. I need some mustard seeds. I will leave that for later, but I need some mustard seeds. And I have some of those stalks. I changed my mindset after the initial act. So the initial act then, says, says the Gemara, the initial act then is a mindset which says, my Gemar Melacha is when I brought it in and I created that pile. Over here, the fact that I changed my mindset, even though Rabbi Yosef generally speaking, says small-scale production is nothing. Since my initial mindset was large-scale production, since my initial mindset was I'm bringing it in, I'm making a pile, I'm going to smooth it over, that already locks me into Tirumah zone. And as a result, even though I changed my gear in the middle, I said, all right, honey, you know, after or as I'm bringing it inside, as I'm bringing it inside, it was an initial mindset, as I'm bringing it inside, it's now locked in your hayab b'tirumah. Says the Gemara, Afilum, name you can find a case where your hayab b'tirumah, even according to the opinion, Rabbi Yosef who distinguishes Kigon, for example, Shehichnis Shibolin, you entered stalks, La'asot Mehenisa, the initial mindset was the mass production, we're going to make dough, flour, all that sort of stuff, and as a result, the Gemar Melacha, those are the key words, the final act of production will be Miruah, will be the smoothing over, Vinim Lachalehen, and you changed your mind, Lemolelan Biyom Tob, and you decided to instead put it in between your fingers and bring forth seeds for Yom Tob, in such a circumstance, it'll have the it'll have the um, the status of tevil. It'll have the status of something which you need to, and in turn, hayav to, and in turn, can take tiruma from it on yom tov. Says the Gemara, we didn't solve anything. We're back to square one. We thought that our Mishnah was a po- was was opposing the opinion that we had leniency. We're very excited about this leniency. The leniency was you're allowed to be molel mililot biyom tov. You're allowed to take the uh, stalks and put it in between your fingers and bring forth the seeds. So one second, then you're going to be hayab then you're going to be taking tiruma. That's okay. Our Mishnah is one opinion. We're following another opinion. No, even according to the opinion of the Mishnah, you're still going to find situation where you'll be hayab. Elamai teruma rov teruma. All right, says the Gemara goes like this. Our Mishnah then can follow both Rabbi and Rabbi Yosef both the opinion who distinguishes between large production and the opinion who doesn't distinguish between large-scale and small-scale production, both of them will explain our Mishnah and say when our Mishnah uses those words that you'll never find Tiruman Yom Tov, they mean the majority of the time. I mean, this is a minute, uh, this is a minority of time. How often are you going to have mindset? All right, guys, we're producing big production. And then Yom Tov comes about, right, let me just uh, grab a few seeds. Now you're going to have those seeds prepared beforehand. It's not going to be the Rov. Uh, that's the suggestion of the Gemara, which means to say, ultimately speaking, when all the dust settles on this, which it just did, we maintain our kula, our leniency. I know it's not uh, for me and you uh, all that significant today, but I imagine once upon a time it was more significant. What's that? It's most Tiruma cases. Most Tiruma cases you won't have on Yom Tov. Sometimes you will. And what are those cases? That in turn opens the leniency of Molilin Melilot. 
It means I'm al- al- allowed to do that on Yom Tov. In the situation of changing, that's where you'll have it according to Rabbi Yosef Ribiuda. Says the Gemara, okay, so we've settled that. Now that we're talking about these two opinions, let me just make it a little bit more complicated for you and then uh, add another level of complication. It goes like this. Amar Abaye, mahloke b'shibolim, aval bekotniot, divre hakol, isurayata tabla. Uh, says Abaye, says, listen, we were talking about two opinions just a moment ago. Rabbi Yosef Ribiuda and Rabbi. What are the two opinions? Again, let's just try to state this as clearly as we can. They debate the following. When it comes to Tirumah, the obligation of Tirumah, we derive this from Pasuk in the Torah, begins at the stage of what we call Gemar Milacha. You finished production, you're locked in, so to speak, there's an obligation on your head from God, you now need to take Tirumah. I got it. If I haven't yet hit that stage, you're allowed to eat from the produce. I brought in a whole stockpile of stuff, but I haven't yet smoothed it over and prepared. I'm allowed to eat from it. But the gemar melacha, kinisala bait, and gemar melacha are what determine the hiyuv and tirumah. Right, that's stage one. Stage two is, all right, how do I define gemar melacha? Is it one blanket definition? When I'm dealing with grain, it is when there's a pile, deganecha, and you smoothed it over and you're ready now to go to the next stage? That's one opinion. That's the opinion of Rabbi Yosef, Rabbi Yudah says, Rabbi, no, each case in and of itself. When I go into the field and I say, all right, let's just cu- cut a few for dinner tonight, I'm hayab b'tirumah immediately. What sort of tirumah? A small amount of tirumah. I'm cutting it off and I'm, ent- and I'm taking out the seeds. I'm hayab b'tirumah. Says Abaye, but wait a second. Even the more, I don't know if it's lenient or stringent, but the initial opinion that we just mentioned, Rabbi, who doesn't distinguish, who says under all circumstances, uh, the, uh, the, the molilin mililot is not hayab betirumah. You need the full production in the storehouse with the smoothing over in order to be hayab betirumah. He says that specifically by grain. When it comes to kotniyot, when it comes to legumes, uh, he agrees to Rabbi Yosef Rabbi Huda. What do you mean he agrees? Uh, what's that? Thank you. Rabbi Yosef Rabbi Uda agrees to Rabbi, thank you, agrees to Rabbi that although in general it's got to be when it comes to grain, the full production under all circumstances, when it comes to legumes, when it comes to kotniyot, in those circumstances, we said, ah, you brought it in in a few stalks, a few things into Ayahayabitruma immediately. That's what we call Isurayata Tavla. Isurayata is when it's still bundled up. It's Hayabitruma, it's Tevil. Why would you distinguish? Rashi explains, again, a reality that is somewhat distant to me. He says there's a distinction between grain of, uh, let's call it wheat and barley, and legumes. I don't know, what are we talking about? Uh, beans and maybe rice and. Kinwa, you know, whatever. Kotniyot, it's Pesach coming up. We're familiar with this stuff, but let's do beans. Hey, when it comes to beans, apparently it's a normal thing, as opposed to with, uh, with the five grains, uh, to eat them in smaller amounts, to produce smaller amounts in order to bring it in for dinner, for lunch, for uh, my restaurant that night. And as a result, in that situation, even Rabbi Yosef Rabbi Yehuda, who generally speaking says, you need the mass production in order to obligate it into the mind, that's the definition of Gemal Milacha, comes to Kotniyot, He's lenient, excuse me, he's stringent. Comes to Kotniot, he tells you the halakha is you have to take teruma 
immediately, even when it's in its stalk stage. Says the Gemara, all right, I can accept that. It's a stringency. You're telling me everybody agrees when it comes to Kotniot. And when it comes to Pesach, you and I, we heave a sigh of relief. Kotniot, we say, ah, now it's lenient zone. Now uh, the corn syrup is okay for me. Maybe not for the Ashkenazim and all that sort of business. Says the Gemara, I found your stringency, ironically, in the context of Kotniot, although the Gemara will flip-flop on this. Says the Gemara... Just briefly, I mean, I think we're all familiar with this. The Gemara Masechah Pesachim has explicitly that the rabbis used to eat kotniot on Pesach. This is not an ancient tradition of the Ashkenazim. It's a traditional last, I mean, it's over a thousand years old, but it's not, a, it's not from the Talmud. It's a humrah, which they accepted because of the production, as they understood it, of grains in their, in their countries. So, so in terms of halakha, nobody will ever argue that that's the halakha. It's in today's day and age that for one reason or another, there's a movement in Israel, we'll see how, so it's not going to be in my lifetime, there's a movement for Ashkenazim to become more and more lenient with regards to Kotniot on Pesach. Hamid Haq Yosef talked about it a few years ago, he said when he became the chief rabbi, he got pressured from Orthodox Jews in the country, Ashkenazim, to try to push the agenda, to get rid of Kotniot for Ashkenazim on Pesach, permit it in today's day and age. It's not so simple to do. I mean, again, as I've discussed and mentioned on more than one occasion, Halakha will be determined by the practice. You know, it's a beginning. If you get a chief rabbi to say, enough Ashkenazim, it's permitted. It's the beginning, and nobody's going to listen to it initially, or very few will. There are, I was shocked by this, and Ashkenazi last year was talking to me. His family, by and large, are uh, gluten-free, and they were talking about the ability uh, to eat kotniot. I was not so comfortable with it for several reasons, as Ashkenazim, uh, but he showed me several tishubot. We're dealing with uh, rabbis from today's, again, it's not at all the majority view. It's a fascinating thing that's developing. It won't be, as I said, in our lifetime that this sort of reality will be changed. But it will be, uh, Morris, long before Yom Tov Sheni is uh, forgotten. Kotniot <laughs> Fashkenazim will be forgotten, and for good reason. Anyway, says the Gemara again, but not, not coming up soon. It's just fascinating. Anyway, says the Gemara, perhaps we can support this statement of Abaye that when it comes to Kotniot, when it comes to the beans and the legumes of those sort, I have a different way of envisioning it. And even when it's in its stalk stage, it's Hayab Here's what I have. I have a Biraita. And I'm going to try to read this Biraita carefully to suggest that it supports the notion. How are we translating Tiltan? I always forget. Okay. I'm sorry I asked. Yes, a spice. Says Rashi, Rashi helped me with spice. Okay, anyway, so what I'm dealing with is Havile Tiltan, is a type of spice. Of table. This spice we're, we're considering a kotniot. It's a legume of sort. It's a, certainly not one of the grains. And uh, you have havile tiltan. You have uh, bundles of it. So you have them still in stalks. Hareze, what you can do in such a circumstance is kotesh. You crush them. Umehashev kamazera yesh bahem. And you determine in your mind how much, or you determine with your hands, how many kernels of, uh, or, or pieces of the spice have come out. And in turn, what you do is you take uh, your tenuma, your ma'asir, your tithes, your uh, obligations, your donations from the tiltan, we're calling that the zera, the seed, meaning the foodstuff, as opposed to the stalk. I said, that's simple. Why would you take from the stalk? The stalk is not edible. Apparently, when it comes to tiltan, 
spice, um, even the stalk, although not edible, can and would be used as a spice, as a spice in, in, uh, in, in different things that you're making. In other words, even though you and I say our spices come from the spice seeds of some sort or another, you can even use, it may not be the majority usage, you can even use the stalk for it, because the stalk as well, you know, kind of like an etrog tree, as the Gemara describes it, has a certain taste to it as well. What's, uh, no. Good. Uh, I'm glad we're working on this one. Uh, Morris will send us a follow-up from, I don't know, some academic journal or something like that. But anyways, uh, the, the Hidush then is that we're only doing... I don't know where it's going to come to, or the Jerusalem Post or something like that. Tomorrow. Tomorrow's Jerusalem Post. It's, anyway, the, the Gemara then is going to... So the Beraita here has, has this following statement. It says to us, uh, first and foremost, and that's all we know right now, that if you're taking tiltan, the spice of sorts, you take it only from the tiltan after you crushed it, and you don't take from the stalk. Oh, what, is, what does this do for us? Well, first and foremost, did you hear the words? It said, I brought in the stalks. I didn't collect them. I didn't do a mass production. There was no collection and smoothing over. I crushed it, I took out the spices, and I immediately determined how much I'm taking. I says, look, on, whose opinion would that be following? Well, you might say that's just following one of the two opinions we saw earlier. It's only following the opinion of Rabbi. Says the Gemara, I don't think so. You know, because if it was Rabbi, then why would you say it over here? Say it in general. We know Rabbi's opinion. In other words, I already know Rabbi doesn't distinguish between large production and small production. He told me that, a blanket, strong statement at the top of the page over here. I have another Beraita which is specific. It says if you're dealing with Tiltan, this spice, oh, you, you make a distinction. Uh, that, that being the case, uh, it's not going to be Rabbi, because Rabbi already told me his statement. You told me in general the principle, that's Rabbi. You distinguish between large and small production. I'm not going to have a repetitive line in some other Beraita. The only reason it's in this Beraita, says the Gemara, my love, Rabbi Yosef, Rabbi Udahi. It must be this is following the opinion of the Rabbi Yosef, Rabbi Udahi, who didn't distinguish, who said under all circumstances, you're not Hayab B'Tiruma until it's a mass production. He's telling us, Hatam, Damar Hatam, Lativla, Hachativla. That's the suggestion is then, like Abaye suggested earlier, he distinguishes Rabbi Yosef, Rabbi Udahi does between grain and legume and beans. When it comes to grain, the Gemara is suggesting, Abaye is suggesting, it's got to be uh, mass production. That's the normal way. Who takes a few grains, a few mustard seeds and brings them in? No, you mass produce it. When it comes to tiltan, when it comes to spices, it comes to beans and these sorts of things, then it's a smaller production. Even Rabbi agrees, says the Gemara, Irbihi mai iria tiltan, afilu shiboliname. Excuse me, lo Rabbihi, says the Gemara, no, uh, how do you know this is following the opinion of Rabbi Yosef, Rabbi Yudah? Maybe it's just following the standard opinion, Rabbi. Irbihi mai iria tiltan, afilu shiboliname. Says the Gemara, if it's Rabbi, as I just mentioned to you, you already have his general statement. Why do you need a specific statement in the context of this tiltan of the spice? He told me it in general. Okay, so you're telling me it's the opinion of You think you proved the case of Abaye? Let me try to, to clarify this one more time. Abaye makes the distinction. He suggests, even according to the opinion, that's Rabbi, who generally speaking does not distinct, does not distinct, excuse me, even according to Rabbi I'm doing it again, even according to Rabbi who does not distinguish between mass and small production, irrespective of how you're doing it right now, we always need mass production. He does when it comes to items that are generally speaking done in small production, like Tiltan, like Kotniot. 
That being the case, we now have a beraita which we think supports it. Why does the beraita support it? Because the beraita tells me when it comes to tiltan, I crush it and I take terumah then. But what about the collection? What about the large uh, production? Says the Gemara, if it's Rabbi Yosef, Rabbi Yehuda, lishmi'inan she'an minei kotniot ve'kol she'ken tiltan. Says the Gemara, if it's really following the opinion of Rabbi Yosef, Rabbi Yehuda, as you suggested, in order to support Abayim, why did the Beraita mention specifically tiltan? Why didn't you mention any of the other beans? Apparently, tiltan, as, as Rashi uh, explains to us, uh, Rashi says that when it comes to tiltan, um, tiltan, this uh, specific item, um, many people, excuse me, uh, when, tiltan, when it comes to that spice, nobody uh, produces it en masse. If the statement of Rabbi Yosef Rabbi Yudah, as Abaye had suggested, is that when it comes to all beans, when it comes to all kotniot and all legumes, the halakha is that the earlier stage establishes it as gemar melakha, you should have told me any of those other things, because apparently sometimes rice and sometimes quinoa and sometimes beans will be mass-produced. When it comes to this spice, it's never mass-produced. So if you're going to bring me the paradigm, the example of, you see, my opinion is that I distinguish when it comes to legumes, when it comes to these types of items, you shouldn't have mentioned the item which is never taken in mass. I won't know to apply to all other cases. Ela says the Gemara, it's not a good proof. Ela tiltanitz tarichale. There was a specific and uh, and a narrow halakha with regards to this spice. The Hidush over here has nothing to do with this concept of Rabbi and Rabbi Yosef Rabbi Uda. It's a general principle, and we're following the opinion who does distinguish. Always. We're not saying that he doesn't distinguish when it comes to grain. He does distinguish when it comes to other items like Kot Niyot. No, no such thing. We're going according to the opinion earlier, who did distinguish? Whose opinion was that? Rabbi. And nonetheless, Rabbi needed to specify it over here by Tiltan. Why do you need to specify it over here? Because you would have made a mistake to say the stalks over here have a special status. The stalks have a taste in it of themselves. Maybe I need to take Tirumotu Ma'asrot from the stalk. That's the Hidush. The stalks are exempt from Tirumotu Ma'asrot. Nothing more and nothing less. You know, I wouldn't have eaten the stalks. I'm going to pound them out. That's what you would have thought. Indeed. And that's the Kamashma'ana, and that's the Hidush that it's not so. As I mentioned, the Gemara in Masechet Tsukah and Aflamit Gimal, if I'm not mistaken, mentions that the unique character trait, the unique quality of Etrog, as opposed to most other fruits, uh, the Gemara says it's Palpalina as well, is that it's Ta'am Piryove Etso Shavin. It's that the taste of the bark is similar in taste. The Gemara seems to say identical, but we know it until today that a citron tree has almost, it has a delicious taste or has a taste similar to the fruit as well. What's the quality? What's the distinction? Why do we think of that as being a special and unique? Of course, I'm only using this as an opportunity to talk about our Gemara. I was talking about Baiterumot Masro, but I'm trying to end on a little bit of a, a light note over here. The concept when it comes to Etrog, as I understand it, is the Torah is describing to us on the holiday of Sukkot, which is a message throughout the year, that the process, the journey, needs to be envisioned by us as sweet and as significant as the product. What do I mean by that? Well, when it comes to a tree, for example, you look at a tree and it's a fruit tree, technically speaking, the only reason I've planted this fruit tree is for the fruits. 
Everything else is nice. It's good derivatives along the way. I'll get some shade. Maybe I'll use the bark a little bit. But ultimately speaking, I want the fruits, especially on an etrog tree. An etrog tree is not strong in that respect. The concept the Torah then reminds us is, I don't know, but etrog is teaching an alternative reality. It's saying to you, stop for a moment and appreciate not just the fruit, realize that the bark could and should in your own life have a certain taste. might not be so sweet, but it'll have a taste, the same taste as the fruit itself. It's the holiday of Sukkot in its entire. Whereas Yitzhak Mitzrayim is celebrated on Pesach, Sukkot celebrates, I don't know what, the journey in the Midbar, the journey in the Midbar. I mean, I understand leaving Egypt, we should have a holiday for the entrance into the land of Israel. We don't have such a holiday. Instead, we have a holiday to celebrate the journey through the desert, God's protection, God's involvement with us. That's the idea. The idea is it's the journey. There's something to be derived through the everyday involvement. There's something to, we say it in the Gemara all the time, something to be derived from the limud of the Gemara, even when we walk out a bit confused, because we were enriched, because the involvement in the sugya, because our minds being tapped into devar Hashem, our, our, um, our bodies being uh, developed through uh, matters of truth and matters of meaning, that in and of itself has a way of, of changing who we are. That's the ta'ame etzo periyoshave. Says the Gemara, and we'll just conclude with this ikad amre, ikad amre, yesh omrim, there's a yet another version, and I, I promise you that by the end of the amud, you'll be proficient in all the laws of terumot and ma'asrot, not really. But anyways, ikad amre, amara baye, mahloket beshibolin. אבל בקטניות דברי הכל ישורייתה לטבלה. We go in the absolute opposite direction according to this opinion. And it's an absolute leniency that when it comes to shibolin stalks of grain. So there there's a machloket. If you're doing it limlol melilot, if you're doing it on a small scale production in order to eat the mustard seeds, one opinion, Rabbi says, you have to take terumot. Rabbi Yosef, Rabbi says, no, it's only on a large scale production. But, says Abaye in this version, it's the complete opposite reality when it comes to kotniot. When it comes to kotniot, everybody agrees, isurayata latavla. Everybody agrees that when you have the stalks, it's not yet obligated in terumot ma'asrot until it's actually gathered in a pile and produced in mass. Metiveh says the Gemara, we have a beraita, which will, I guess we'll come back to this tomorrow, which questions this notion of Abaye in the Sikadamre. Baruch Adonai Amen, amen.